Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective on this Thursday episode. It's going to be thoughtful and thankful. We are thankful to have Representative Leonard Christian in studio with us today. He is a representative of the 4th Legislative District. We're talking about the Spokane Valley and all the way to the Idaho border, I think north to Canada. Mm -hmm. It's a large district. County line, but it's close to Canada. It's a long ways up there. So uh, we're going to have a conversation with him about laws and proposed laws and things coming our way in this legislative session and maybe uh, a little bit of the consequences of elections and we'll do that after inspiration. And how fitting our inspiration is in regards to being wise or unwise. When I was 10, I brought home a cassette tape from a friend at a youth group that contained the music of a contemporary Christian band. My dad, who had been raised in a Hindu home, but had received salvation in Jesus, didn't approve. He only wanted worship music played in our home. I explained it was a Christian band, but that didn't change his mind. After a while, he suggested that I listen to the songs for a week and then decide if they brought me closer to God or pushed me further away from him. There was some helpful wisdom in that advice. There are things in life that are clearly right or wrong, but many times we wrestle with disputable matters. In deciding what to do, we can seek the wisdom found in Scripture. Paul encouraged the Ephesian believers, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Like a good parent, Paul knew that he couldn't possibly be there to give instructions for every situation. If they are going to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, they were going to have to discern for themselves and understand what the Lord's will is. A life of wisdom is an invitation to pursue discernment and good decisions as God guides us even when we wrestle with what might be disputable. Heavenly Father, cultivate a heart of wisdom in us. Enable us to live our lives in a way that will always draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we definitely need to seek wisdom and we want our elected officials to be wise. One of the things that we can do to help them make wise decisions is contact them and uh, show up when they're going to be meeting with the public. And Leonard Christian has an event coming up here in the 4th Legislative District out in the Spokane Valley at the Spokane Valley Library. That is this evening at 6th across from City Hall. So you can show up there and talk to your state representatives. Uh, Spokane welcome to the Valley studio. City Hall. Yeah, Spokane Valley City Hall. Yep, in the brand new library. And it's a beautiful brand new library. Beautiful brand new library. Yep. Very good. So you've got some laws coming up that are you're going to be facing. Probably like three thousand of them. The legislative machine begins already. A lot of folks think that well, the legislative session doesn't start until I don't know mid January. But the laws are already being proposed now. Representatives have been working throughout the uh, break of the session with constituency groups or constituents to uh, propose laws. So let's talk about those. Well, great. Uh, Number one, thanks for having me on your show. Really appreciate it, Tim and Shannon. And yeah, you can, uh, our session allows us, uh, it does start the second Monday in January. However, you can pre-file bills. Uh, It was starting, I believe, the 4th uh, of this December. Uh, And roughly in the first week alone, we had 53 bills filed. And two of those is going to be looking like restricting gun rights once again. So I ended up filing three bills that that, uh, I believe are common sense bills that I was able to put together uh, working with different groups in our area. 
Uh, one of them was I was working with a homeowner association over at Newman Lake, and they were uh, explaining how the Department of Natural Resources has been trying to force them to get into a lease uh, for the land underneath their dock. Oh. Can you imagine that? You got to lease so, the land yeah, under your dock? Yeah, you got to lease the land that's underneath your dock. So, so this is water. This is a waterway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a waterway. It's a navigable waterway. So, so this is essentially a dock tax. Oh, sure. That's what it sounds yeah, like yeah, to me. Yeah, so if you want to have access to mm-hmm. recreation uh, out on the water, the mm-hmm. state is looking at new policies to uh, make you lease the land. So yeah. th- th- then they get to decide if you get to renew the lease then as well. Well, that's, yeah, that obviously be part of it. Uh, but the challenge was, is that they wanted you uh, to enter into the lease. They required that you have an aquatic survey. Aquatic surveys are not cheap if you can find somebody to do one. I've never... The fish that I've dealt with have never, they didn't seem willing to fill out a survey. Uh, you know, I, I love it, man. I love <laughs> it. Yeah, so so an aquatic, <laughs> that sounds very broad to me. Mm-hmm. So you're you're looking, I, I've been to lots of different waterways and docks, you know, uh, certain kinds of fish like hanging out under docks. In fact, the government has uh, done lots of things to transport logs for the Native Americans so that they can put logs back into waterways where there's no longer logging activities where the logs in the waterway actually help the fish spawn and things like that. Mm-hmm. So an aquatic survey, I'm thinking about this for a dock. Okay, so some places there's lots of sunfish. Some places the bass like to be under dock. Sometimes it's rocky under the dock. Yeah, Somet- I, I sometimes it's 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 yeah. clay and it's slimy. What I mean, what kind of Well, it's, it's mainly locating what would be a property line um, or probably a marker on, on land, but instead you have to do it in in the water and hopefully the water hasn't shifted or the beach hasn't shifted and over the years so if uh, your dock is near maybe a, an inlet or an outlet you could, could see be, some yeah. changing dynamics of of the waterway under yeah. or near yeah, the absolutely. dock and so this is government overreach i think in a big way and it also grows government and so this tax this lease is not really going to grow the state budget in a positive way. It actually sounds like it's going to cost us money in the long run. Well, honestly, it, it uh, <laughs> it's going to cost the taxpayer money who has the, the land uh, that's going to have to rent it from them. Uh, which hasn't had to do it. I mean, these, some of these folks have had the, you know, a cabin in, you know, on, on the lake for many generations. It's been handed down, and all of a sudden now they're they're going to have to start paying for leasing the land. The challenge is it's under that, the dock. Yeah, it's under the dock. It's floating. You know, the dock's floating above it. The challenge is, is that the law doesn't require a survey. The RCW does not require it. Just DNR does. And the law is totally silent on who should pay for it. So, so is this a, a bureaucracy now creating yeah. law? Yeah, absolutely. And so even the, the worst part of it is that, uh, you know, what if you had this dock in there for many generations and all of a sudden this survey comes in and says, uh, your dock's not on the, uh, you know, on the land you think it's on. Now you got to move your dock. So That's a you're paying expense. for, you know, you're paying for the, you know, survey that can end up hurting you in the long run. Are you going to have to pay for this survey every time you've got to pull the dock in and replace the flotation yeah, devices? And I don't know, maybe. Well, if the uh, agency cause, cause, gets to write the rules as they yeah, go. Right, right. So my bill basically says that they can't uh, force uh, any... Uh, anyone to to pay for a survey. How about a bill that every regulation that agencies create that are not tied to uh, a law, a statute, go to the legislature? I think that's how our constitution and our state's supposed to work. I think think they're supposed to write regulation based upon laws by Mm -hmm. our elected representatives, and they keep writing these regulations that are outside the law. I think that was actually the premise, going back to the gun laws you were talking about, Mm -hmm. the premise of lawsuits that have failed for the, the government when regulatory 
agencies, you know, like with the bump stock thing. Mm-hmm. Or no, it was the bump stock or the, the wrist guard. But they just make these regulations around accessories that the legislative bodies never yeah. said anything about. They never wrote it in statute. And the agency says, well, we think this would be a good idea. Well, and that's why there's the RCWs and the, and the, the WAC. So, you know, one is RCWs the... RCWs Wa- Code yeah. of Washington yeah. and the WAC, the yeah. Washington Administrative Code. Right. And so the administrative code is usually written by the agencies and the RCWs are the law. So, but these codes but are supposed to reflect... Reflect the law and be in the, you know, lockstep with it, but don't always are. Well, and not just the law. The other interesting mm-hmm. thing I think that's lost in a lot of the statutes passed by the legislature is the legislative intent. Yeah. Like the law that you're looking to pass for the docs here. Your intent is that people continue to have the freedom to use not just their land, but the accessory of their waterfront mm-hmm. property, the dock. Well, and the, and the strange one that I was looking into that uh, actually saw the title on it, uh, they had title insurance that uh, they purchased in back in the 70s to ha- give them permission for this dock. And then the company that uh, insured the title went out of business. So there's not even uh, an insurance policy now that they can go back after to help pay for, you know, the, uh, the attorney or anything else to fight this. So wow. it's just been a, kind of a crazy issue. So that's why. I wonder how uh, many people across the state are running into this with DNR. Yeah, well, I understand that uh, DNR had uh, lost a lawsuit requiring them to start forcing these leases to an environmental group, so that's what's kind of brought it along. But I've been trying to get to information as basic as how many leases do they have signed currently on Newman Lake, and I couldn't even get that. Well, that's interesting, and and we have seen this in the past where environmentalist groups will sue Mm -hmm. on a certain issue that complicates an agency's role in the law and people's freedom, and it seems like the legislature often fails to look at the judicial review of the, basically the law and put a fix in place. So is that what your law is looking to do is put a fix in place because of the judicial action? Yeah. Well, mine's, mine is a, you know, the judicial action is they're still going to be billed for, you know, the, the lease to have the the right to have your dock floating above the land. Mine's the big deal that it, uh, you can't have, you know, shouldn't have to pay for a survey as well. Because again, that should be, you know, the family might pay two, $300 a year, let's say for the dock, which isn't a big issue, but the fact that it could be, you know, five grand for. So who do, who do they survey. pay per year for the. Uh, it'd be the state, the DNR. Yeah, okay. Is that state. what they normally pay right now? Or? No, they're not. If they had right now, this group has, has never paid and they've been trying the, the DNR has been threatening them with letters constantly and they still haven't um, entered into an agreement. I, I've never, I've known people with waterfront properties. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of having to pay the government other than you pay for a permit so that you can put down pylons or whatever sure. it is, so you, a permit for the dock that you're mm-hmm. putting in to make sure it doesn't go too far out into the waterway and obstruct other people's uh, use yeah. of the waterway. But I've never heard of paying an annual fee for the dock. Yeah, you're actually leasing it, you know, from the from the state, right? And wow. That, that's going to be coming around more and more. That's why I jumped on this ahead of time to get ahead of the curve. Well, so this is kind of a new discussion. It sounds like as Mm -hmm. far as the public being able to engage with the legislature, this bill that you've put forward. So you're probably open to some ideas and amendments if you hear from people around the state that have had other issues. Because this came from literally sitting in a room with listening to the different people on Newman Lake uh, discuss their, you know, their issues, uh, where they were in there in this whole process and how can we fix the problem. And and obviously, we're not going to be able to, you know, fix the problem right now of, of these leases because that's a much bigger issue. 
but we certainly can fix the problem of the survey, you know, requiring them uh, to pay for of it. Of the survey. And these leases, mm-hmm. it's just weird. I've never heard it from yeah. the property owners that I know that have docs that they have to pay a lease. Is that kind of worked into the property tax? What, what's no, the no, it would be a, cert, a, a, a lease, actually, in a lease so this So this is a totally mm-hmm. new yeah. cost and tax that DNR has come mm-hmm. up with. So anyone with a doc is probably going to be facing this if the law doesn't. Yeah, it, it, and this, is, this has been going around for a while. So the, they've been, uh, their first letter, I think, was dated 2015. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, they've been going back and forth and fighting with uh, with DNR all these years to get, and they still haven't got no point uh, where they're willing to sign it. And apparently this is kind of the, the big reason they, they can't is the, the possibility of this expense of the survey yeah this is interesting that mm-hmm. i haven't heard of this before because yep. there's so many people around the state that have vacation properties right, right. that their families together go into purchasing a dock i've never heard of paying a lease on it mm-hmm. i read it it was interesting is I there anything it. else the government cannot tax oh. oxygen oxygen yeah. it's next yeah we yeah. do pay for air every time you have to put air in your tires hey, there you go. Yeah. well i don't know that there's a tax for it though, but i'm sure there's a tax for the business sure and the people that produce the compressor <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. um we've got about another minute left in the half here so that's one of the laws you talked about the gun laws mm-hmm. is there's lawsuits already going on right now yes. currently yep. multiple lawsuits against the state for laws that were passed in previous years. Yes. And we have state legislators now that are looking to uh, muddy the waters of firearm safety and firearm rights uh, yet again. Even more. Yes. Even absolutely. more. Do you have some specifics on those laws that you'd like to talk about? I, I have not. I haven't gotten around to actually uh, breaking them down yet. But uh, well, I hope you I get a chance be. to. I will be. Yeah. In the future, I want to have you back on the mm-hmm. show. And if you get to the bottom of the laws, because I was just out hunting with a friend and, you know, I had to uh, tie my shoes. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to just lay my gun on the ground. Can I, you know, I, I don't know if I can legally have my hunting buddy hold my firearm so I can tie my shoes. In this state, the gun laws are so insane. We're all just criminals at this point because it's too confusing to understand and follow. But hopefully in the future, we'll get clarity before the legislature takes further action on our Second Amendment and firearm freedom guaranteed in our state constitution. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back again with Leonard Christian, 4th District State Representative. He's got an event tonight. If you want to talk to him about anything having to do with the legislature, his job, or the laws being proposed, that's tonight. 6 p.m. Spokane Valley Library across from City Hall. We'll be right back. I'm dreaming of a wise Christmas. You know, whether we have a lot of snow or not, Right Spokane Perspective wants to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas with these words that Shannon has for you. All the Christmas presents in the world are worth nothing without the presence of Christ. David Jeremiah. Thanks again from Right Spokane Perspective, and thank you listeners who have supported us to keep us on the air by going to rightspokaneperspective.com and donating, or by sending those donations to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, PO Box 7620-99207. Have a Merry Christmas.
And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this thoughtful Thursday episode with Leonard Christian, 4th District State Representative. We're going to jump into a conversation about a couple of more laws that were proposed. Of course, the laws are being proposed before the legislative session and pre-filed bills. It sounds like there's 53 already been proposed. The legislature typically passes about three... 350 laws, but about 3,000, 2,000, 3,000 get proposed or reproposed throughout the legislative session. So our representatives have a tall ladder to climb on figuring out what laws they're going to support, not support, or propose. And Leonard Christian's proposed, uh, sounds like, three laws already this legislative session. We talked about the one in the first half having to do with the docks and leasing and surveying the land underneath the docks. He's got two more bills we're going to talk about. Let's jump on into those two bills. Oh, you're going to love this one. Folks who have a, are required by law to install a breathalyzer interlock device in their car because they had a DUI, well, uh, if they claim they're indigent, the state pays for that. They not only pay for the installation, but they also pay for the monthly fee to have that device in there and, and continue to use it. So if we have a uh, person that can afford to drink and drive, mm-hmm. which most people that drink and drive, it's not like, oh, I, I never drank before. I, I can't afford alcohol. No, they're normally alcoholics that drink and drive probably on a regular basis, finally get caught, and uh, they can't afford the breathalyzer, but they can afford alcohol. I, I, I don't know. So the state now is going to pay? Oh, they already do. Oh, they already do. Yeah, they already do. So, so my bill is, is wow. even better, Tim. There's no limit. You can have you can, if you say you're indigent. You can. There's no limit. There's a, a, a law enforcement officer uh, talked to me about this. Said he knows of one person with six cars, all installed, all paying for by the taxpayer. Six and cars. he's indigent, claiming so, indigent. So a work. I I've known a few people that have had DUIs. Mm-hmm. Typically working class guys. They make a yeah, mistake. A mistake of, yeah. mm-hmm. You know they mm-hmm. they hit the bar after work every day, and of course they're mm-hmm. driving home. And so they've got to change their habits and because, because they're, you know, we want the people in our community safe. We don't want drunks on the road and they have multiple cars, but they're a working class family. They got to pay their bills, their rent. So when they get this judicial decision that, okay, well, we'll let you have your driver's license back. So you can go to work, but you got to have this breathalyzer in your car that you're going to drive and you can't drive anyone else's vehicle, only the vehicle right, that has the breathalyzer. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think, about, what, 180 bucks a month or something like that? I wouldn't know, Tim. I don't drink. <laughs> so, I, I, and I don't know the cost. <laughs> right. yeah, I, I, yeah. There's a monthly fee, and I, it's 100 it or a $180 yeah. dollars a month. It's not Plus cheap. you got to pay for the installation mm-hmm. of this thing, and then when, you know, the time frame is over, that the judge put into place that you have to have this breathalyzer in your vehicle, you have to pay for the uninstallation of the device in your car. And the device includes the breathalyzer plus a camera to mm-hmm. yes. so that the camera, you. Yep. so somebody else isn't blowing into this thing so you can mm-hmm. start your car and these working class guys are they they only have one they got like i got can't drive my bike i can't ride, drive my other vehicle yeah. i got to drive my commuter car because i can only afford this fee on one vehicle so that's what your working class no, my, does yeah, no. so you're talking mm-hmm. about a non-working class maybe or or someone that's just mm-hmm. considered indigent they have six vehicles with these yeah. breathalyzers in. so the tax we the taxpayers are subsidizing drunk driver to have six of these devices so you know $500 installation just an estimate $500 installation for each one of the vehicles okay. so we're a couple thousand bucks into this just for the one guy's car then several hundred dollars a month uh, for services for each car and there's no limit no so, limit so my bill puts wow. a limit of one if you're indigent 
you, you know, you, if you can't be, I don't know, it just doesn't make any sense to me that if you have multiple vehicles, how can you claim to be indigent? At this well, point. How do you ensure if you're indigent? It, it, right. How, how do you, you ensure those purchase, vehicles? maintain, and ensure that many vehicles? Right. Right. So, in my bill, simply says you get one by the taxpayer's dime if you're if you're indigent. Because we understand you you know you made a might have made a mistake. You need to get to work. You know we don't want to destroy your family. We don't. But guess well, we what? Put you get limitations one. Limitations on. I mean, right. this is insane. It's almost like some of the conversations I've had on the air before about drug testing for welfare and people don't like that. Well then let's limit, you know, one fentanyl pill per day to people that get subsidies. You know, so there's gotta be a limit to the amount of money we throw away. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we got to start stay safeguarding the taxpayer dollar. We really do. Yeah. So, so that's, this would limit a person to one vehicle with a DUI indigent case where the taxpayers pay. For well, their we're going to pay for one vehicle. Yeah. Not, not, not It'd probably be ones. cheaper to just give them a bus pass. Well, of course. It would be. It would be. Actually, you know, and That's I would. That's part of the penalty for having a DUI. And I, well, I would think the current majority in the legislature would maybe like an amendment to the bill like that, Shannon, but you're not in the legislature. Ridership so you would can't, be up. Yeah, ridership would be up. You'd get people out Look of those that. combustion <laughs> engines and onto mass transit. You know, you, we'd be affecting yeah. climate change. I don't wow. know. I don't know that Leonard is interested in us amending his bill right here on I'm the I'm not air, lobbying but. him. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but oh. some limitation on taxpayer resources, yeah. I think, is uh, this is more than reasonable in my view. I think it just makes sense, to be honest with you. I think yeah. that you're going to have some some good conversations. I think you'll probably have some luck with uh, not just the people in your caucus, but also across the aisle in, mm -hmm. in safeguarding the, the amount of spending because this is a that's a huge expense for taxpayers yes. across the state, and there's no reason for it when there's more important you know things that we need to fund. Of course. There's a lot of things that we overfund, and I don't know if we're going to get into those conversations, but you have another bill. I do. I have one other one that I'm going to, and you'll love this one. It actually got picked up by the Seattle newspaper stand over there. I just got, got a, an email on it, and, and it's uh, three strikes and you're out on uninsured motorists, basically. So if you get uh, pulled over three times in our state uh, in three years and you, you don't have insurance, you've been driving without insurance on your third time, the law enforcement has the right to impound your vehicle until you ha can provide you have insurance on it. So this is another interesting discussion, and I do like this one because uh, I've seen insurance costs, mm -hmm. for, like myself, I've never cost an insurance company money. I've never had a claim. I've been paying, like yep. it seems thousands of dollars every year oh, yeah. to these insurance companies that also are paying insurance taxes and all this other stuff. And what am I, what am I insuring? I'm insuring people out there that make bad mistakes. And one of the little things on my insurance that I always make sure I have is uninsured, uninsured motorists motorist. yep. because uninsured motorists cause a lot of accidents and they don't pay insurance. So we have to pay not only for insuring their liability they cause us, but we have to insure for when they do actual damage to yep. our vehicles yep. with this uninsured motorist. It used to be we had laws in this state and this country that protected individual property rights, individual rights. And so if, you know, I've got to have a driver's license and insurance, I get pulled over, I hand those over to the officer. Yep. He writes me that ticket for doing eight miles an hour over the speed limit. They don't do that anymore. No, it's like 15 I, or 20. Really. But, mm -hmm. but, you know, that was my agreement with the community that I travel in, that I'm going to have a driver's license legally operating a vehicle with insurance. And it used to be, if you didn't have those things, your vehicle got impounded. And we've yep. changed those laws so that we have people that have driving 
without a license and insurance 20, 30 times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no penalty at the moment. So this just gives the officer the ability, you know, to, to make that uh, decision at that point. You know, number one, if you've been pulled over three times in three years in, in today's environment, you probably need to look at your driving habits. Yeah, three times in three years. <laughs> My last traffic infraction was in 1999. Yeah, I was going to say, so, uh, yeah, so you're getting pulled over that many times. You probably really need insurance, number one. Well, you need insurance, but you, yeah, you definitely, well, maybe you should start putting license plates on your car. Yeah, I was going to say or, that too. Yeah. You know, ma- yeah. maybe put the doors back on. How do you get pulled over that frequently, you know, three mm-hmm. times in three years? Yeah. And then it also has a, a factor in there. If you have an at-fault accident and you don't have insurance, your car is impounded as well. Uh, until you can provide proof of insurance. So these are just some common sense laws. Uh, This one came around because Washington State has one of the highest in the nation. I think we're number five, according to the State Farm agent I was talking to, in the nation of uninsured motorists. So the number used to be about 30% is uninsured. Is that number changed? Oh, yeah, that number's probably swapped. So we're looking at, you think, 70% are uninsured? According to the conversation I had, it's much higher than than 30% is what uh, they explained to me. I wouldn't want to guess on a number. but We all have to make financial decisions in our lives. And we look at government, the Mm -hmm. cost of government in our lives and government requirements in our lives. And I could see how some people could justify, well... How often do I get pulled over? Once every five years. I've never been in an accident. Why do I need, I need insurance? That's, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of dollars, uh, you know, maybe $1,000 a year, $2,000 a year, depending on what vehicles you drive. So that's a lot of money saved if you don't have insurance. So I could see that actually mm-hmm. decent drivers out there that know so many people that are uninsured have just decided to make the financial decision of not having insurance. Uh, I know a few of them myself. Because there's no compliance. Just simply said, I don't want to pay for it, even though they're financing their car and they're supposed to and they're required to. They just simply said, I'm not doing it. Just scratch my head and think, really? You're taking that gamble every time you start that car. And it's not just a gamble for them, though, because every time time they get in an accident, our rates go up. Absolutely. So we don't cost any any extra money. We don't get any accidents. But now we're paying more because other people choose to not. Well, and I talk about taxes a lot, too. You know, this is not just a personal liability issue for every single commuter. This is, to me, like there's taxes that I'm okay paying because I, you know, I want there to be law enforcement. I'd like Absolutely. to have roads that aren't riddled in potholes. Like a, when I call a fire department, I want them to show up, you know? Th- that's right. That's Bridges right. Bridges that don't mm-hmm. fall but in the water. When you're, yeah. I, I'm paying insurance, I really feel like I'm literally subsidizing like the cartel of some kind. Some kind of, <laughs> I'm subsidizing something because I know that I've never cost the liability that needs the insurance that I'm paying. So what we're doing is we're paying the liability costs that insurance companies are looking at saying, Mm -hmm. well, we know that half the drivers in Washington state aren't insured. So we need to charge this guy double the cost for the insurance for the people that aren't paying for the liability that that individual is more likely of creating. And right. we used to mm-hmm. be able to get discounts. Yeah. We used to get discounts for good credit or we mm-hmm. used to get discounts because That's you would go thing. so long. Mm-hmm. Here's another law for you to, I like that one. That one made me mad. That cost us $600 a year it just in our household. It cost us $600 yeah. a year. Yeah. yeah. Just, just in our house. When they just, weren't allowed to start checking your credit rating right, absolutely. We're responsible individuals. Why mm-hmm. We're lower liability. Why should they not use metrics to create, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the cost of our liability? It's insane. Yeah, you're right. What other, what other things did we get? Multi-car discount. There was something about that one too, right? Multi-car discount. Good student discounts. Oh, good student discounts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. student discounts. Yeah, I, th- I really do think that, you know, we should be charged fairly for things and it just makes sense that people, you know, it's, it's like 
do we get a, a button to push on the gas pump whether we pay the gas tax or not oh, to have I'd good love roads? That. Yeah. I'd well, so that. everybody'd love that. Would you right? like to donate more? Push here. Would yeah. you like clean energy? <laughs> well, you just push this button and we'll charge you we'll more. We'll charge you more, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, so I love on, it. on the fuel pump now, obviously with the carbon tax thing that's going to be possibly coming to the voters, that's going to be the button they're going to remove kind of from the gas pumps. But we, we talk it. about these taxes and and this is this insurance thing really is a tax on the responsible people. So oh, for those that are out there driving without insurance, maybe they shouldn't have the six cars with the breathalyzers that are subsidized in them. They should just have one car mm -hmm. insurance and and be more responsible. I think this is another common sense bill. So as you can see, every one of these is focused on the the taxpayer helping them, helping their family, uh, in their common sense. So that's just the, the type of legislation I was hoping to do when I when I entered the legislature. I do like the three bills that you've worked on so far. I, mm -hmm. I think that if I was in the legislature, I'd probably want to co-sign on those because they're just common sense, property rights, individual liberties, and you know the cost that the, the taxpayers are, are having to burden. So I appreciate that. We don't have a whole lot of time left in today's show, but a parting shot for the listeners. I just want to thank them for uh, supporting me this year and actually calling and, and emailing me and uh, phone calling. Uh, believe me, I, e I read those emails. I may not have the time to respond to every one of them, but I certainly do read them. And I really appreciate the folks who reach out and, uh, you know, let me know what's going on. That's how these bills came about, to be honest with you. People calling my office, emailing my office. That was the reason I got involved in these bills. Yes, and we need to be in contact with our lawmakers because we only get the government that we deserve, and we've got to be involved with that government. That's why you're a representative and uh, not a dictator, you know? you got to listen to those constituents. So, again, there's an event tonight, 6 p.m., Spokane Valley Library across from the Spokane Valley City Hall. He's going to be there. Who else is going to be there again? Uh, Suzanne Smith, my uh, seatmate. Seatmate, okay. Suzanne mm -hmm. Schmidt and Leonard Christian having that town hall, so you 4th District uh, voters can talk to your representatives and get the job done this year before the legislative session begins. We're out of time. We'll be with you folks again tomorrow. Bye-bye.